0: Good you're watching Stockwatch with Mizunati Kuma this evening, Jean-Pierre Ferster from Protea Capital Management, and Chris Reddy from All Weather Capital. Join me to unpack your stock-related questions do send those questions via S- SMS to 41392, email at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thanks so much for your time, gentlemen. Uh, quite uh, mixed trading that we are seeing. Well, not really. It's, it's largely positive looking at what Europe is doing, looking at what the US is doing but then uh, you bring it down to the JSC and it looks like uh, investors are undecided. It started off in the green and then gradually slumped into the red. Um, JP, would you say that it's uh, maybe some of the resource uh, stocks that came out with results today or is there more to it?
1: That's mostly it's an RTI. So yes, uh, a, a stock like uh, Sabanier Stillwater came out with results that was disappointing. If you look at the, the EBITDA, what people were, were expecting for EBITDA versus what they reported. Um, and that share was down sharply. And then people always, when a specific company comes out with results, look for a look through, meaning that if a certain company comes out and they're specifically very positive or very negative about something, analysts would think, but doesn't this impact other similar companies in the same sector as well? So when you had Sabania Stillwater coming out with disappointing earnings, that sort of had a knock on effect where a lot of people then said, well, Maybe some other companies in the same sector will have uh, similar issues, whether it is um, some gold mines left in South Africa. There aren't too many or some platinum and palladium operations. And um, so, yes, the commodity space was the main area of pain today in the market.
0: Yeah, indeed, the others trading in a sympathy. Uh, Chris, on your side, because, I'm, uh, you know, as much as yes, EBITDA did disappoint, um, But, I mean, I I keep on wondering why these commodity stocks are still being hammered when we all know what, you know, part of the cycle we're we're in right now. And is it just really drumming in the fact that (laughs) uh, we can't see the bottom yet?
2: yeah i think it's partly due to that but i mean i think if you look at Sabanya's results i mean the, the actual results for the period were quite well guided i think what concerned the market was just that the the poor outlook i mean if if pgm prices stay at these levels many of the mines will be unprofitable given the the actual cost to produce the metal uh, at current spot levels i think the other challenge with Sabanya as well is that they are still continuing with that mopani well, they're in the running for the Mopani um, copper acquisition in Zambia. They're going to be teaming up with another uh, Chinese uh, miner. And then if you look at just the outlook for Subanya, I mean, they're still guiding for some further production cuts. Um, and obviously linked to production cuts, the actual average cost to produce the metal then becomes more expensive because you're pushing through lower volumes. Um, so those are some of the some of the the, the challenges with regards to Subanya pre- pre- uh, results, coupled with the fact that they also used up quite a bit of cash in the period. So they went from a net cash positive position to a net debt position.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's go straight into the questions because uh, we do have very long questions today. Uh, JP, I think you're going to need to bring out a notebook or something. But uh, this first one is about uh, rebalancing of the portfolio. So quite a long one, but I think you should get it. So the viewer says, and this is actually specifically for you, JP. I think uh, it was uh, sent about a week ago. And uh, so, yeah, we, we kind of just parked it. I own 15 shares. Of company a and each share is worth a thousand uh, rand my current gains on company a uh, are 10,000 this is my profit uh, if I decide to take the entire profit of 10,000 which I've made on company a it means I'm sell 10 shares in company a so obviously it's at a thousand rand each after selling 10 shares I now only have five shares left in company a I take the 10,000 profit and diversify diversify my portfolio by buying 5,000 into company B and 5,000 into company C. What has taken place in the scenario is that I used existing profits within my portfolio to buy other shares. I did not need to add any new capital. However, and this is my concern, I had to reduce my shareholding in company A from 15 shares down to 5 shares by having to sell 10 shares to take profit. And let's say this company was NVIDIA, which is doing really well. Is this dilution of shares in NVIDIA uh, to take a profit okay, even uh, on a company that is performing well, or is it a bad thing? Even though I did not take the money out of the portfolio, um, it is still invested, I simply redistributed the profit and bought additional companies. This could over time strengthen my portfolio, even though I had to dilute company A. Is this how rebalancing a portfolio should work?
1: Wow. So, Zenati, what, uh, what the viewer has asked mm. is a very fundamental question. It's the fundamental of portfolio management. Mm. And that is about the balance of concentration versus diversification and when to hold on and when to sell. Yeah. And there is no right answer, it's not always the same answer. It depends, as an economist would say, and it depends for the following reason. It depends because when you sell your 10 shares of the 15 you're holding company A, you don't know if it's an NVIDIA or perhaps it's a off in 2020 or, 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 sorry, 2018, early 2018. Yeah. And you don't know, therefore, is this a company where after you've sold it, are the shares going to keep on running or are the shares going to collapse? And if the shares are going to keep running, you shouldn't sell them. If the shares are going to collapse, you should sell not only 10, you should sell all 15. So it actually comes down not to a mechanical portfolio management uh, plan, but rather having a plan that is different depending on what company A, B, and C are, what they do, and most importantly, the valuation. Hmm. And without knowing more about company A, B, or C, like I say, you can argue either way, either that it's good for you to diversify and not concentrate in company A mm. or to say company A is so great, hold on because it still has a lot of growth ahead of it. So, like I say, a fundamental question, but there's no single answer to that
0: question. Ah, uh, because it depends on the company. Well, I mean, the viewer did make an example to say maybe NVIDIA. I didn't really say it was NVIDIA. So let's take it to NVIDIA, Chris. NVIDIA at this point, if you had uh, (laughs) 15 shares in NVIDIA, it's run very, very hard. Uh, And of course, even now we've seen uh, the the, the NASDAQ also up on the day, continuing with its gains, um, partly because of NVIDIA and just on that i mean would this be the right time to kind of take profits on nvidia to kind of reduce your holding and maybe try and diversify what would you be doing at this point considering also the ai boom that uh is, is currently uh going on
2: yeah look I, th- I think Nvidia has been the poster child for for ai investments i mean ever since they came out with their with their updates towards the end of may that basically led to the ai boost that we've seen in u.s tech over the period uh, if anything, if you look at M- NVIDIA's most recent set of numbers, yes, it was a beat, uh, on the p- past earnings. And they also guided for very strong uh, performance in the upcoming quarter. Don't think I want to say on NVIDIA. I mean, the share is up over 200%, 230 odd percent, uh, year to date. And it is a very consensus driven stock. So many hedge funds, many other large institutions own the share. And in order for NVIDIA to maintain the current, uh, valuation, they need to produce the strong growth into the foreseeable future now I think that is the key question about how long can they continue to grow at these high levels to justify paying these upper thirties lower forties type of price to earnings multiple on the share you know as soon mm-hmm. should they disappoint on any type of growth metric there is potentially uh, quite a bit of downside on Nvidia so so if it was Nvidia I'd probably say look to take some profits into this strong result year to date Hmm. and diversify into something else obviously the viewer needs to take into account their own personal tax circumstances and the likes when it comes to that trade
0: ah all right um quite an interesting question that has come through can the panel advise what is the commodity investment reason with the boom and bust cycles uh is it for dividends on boom or does the mine eventually go up, like 100 rand growing to 300, then dropping to 150 rand, growing to 500 etc. So kind of volatile uh, cycles. This. So what is the commodity investment reason, JP?
1: So I would say potentially two reasons. The one is that even though it is cyclical, over the long time, it's still an upward sloping uh, structural. Uh, dynamic, even though you have cycles along or around that structural increasing uh, uh, profit base of the company. Hmm. But that's not always the case. So that's the one potential reason to invest in commodities. The other one is going in all eyes open, knowing that they are cyclical, but playing the game of the difference between price and value, or let's say playing the game of the market's expectations versus your own expectations. And trying to time and say that when everyone thinks commodities are great and the price is high, you want to sell because you believe the dip, the downward cycle is coming and the market is not anticipating. And at the bottom of the cycle, when the market is anticipating that the cycle will continue to be negative, you expect that the cycle will turn positive. And therefore, you can buy those shares again at a low price and sell it back to the market at a high price at the top of the cycle again. Mm -hmm. That's very optimistic thinking, but that would be the other way to think about commodities and potentially to buy these shares.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, because structurally, fundamentally, these are, you know, uh, companies that, uh, you know, have uh, quite a long uh, pathway. Um, So fundamentally, I mean, you would expect that it's for, you know, long-term investors. But of course, as JP says, go in with, you know, eyes wide open that there will be cycles. So do you go in as with that long-term investor thinking that, you know, structurally and fundamentally these companies companies are good to have? Or do you kind of go in saying, you know what, let me play the game. Or are there certain commodities in which you should play the game and certain commodities in which you should actually think long-term, Chris?
2: I think you've got to be selective in the underlying commodities. I mean, for example, if you take gold, I mean, that's typically seen as a as a defensive risk off play. If you if you are concerned about just uh, general that like, geopolitical risk, or if you think that the dollar is going to weaken, that's uh, potentially positive for gold. I mean, on the other cases, what we've seen in the past is something like if there's like a Tungela, for example, when there's a specific opportunity where something's going to be unbundled, you know that there's potentially going to be forced selling because many investors don't like coal as an investment from an ESG point of view. So that potentially pro- provides an opportunity to buy into that forced selling. Uh, I mean, other commodities like PGMs and stuff or even iron ore has been driven by demand out of China as they've rolled out their infrastructure uh, program over the past couple of decades. But as we've seen with the growth of, say, EV, uh, electric vehicles over this period, it does question the longer term demand for something like PGMs. So I think you have to be quite selective in terms of the underlying uh, commodities that you that you are buying and when you are buying it in the cycle and how do the underlying uh, balance sheets, for example, look uh, for the commodity uh, players
0: um jp i just want to come to you quickly um the viewers asking is there anything good to say about the money results uh besides the gold operations uh the dividend was dismal as well you said uh, what is the outlook for pgms keeping in mind the shift to electric vehicles uh what is going to uh drive a demand going forward jp
1: that's a difficult one look um th- th- i've heard now in in fiberglass they are using more platinum and in the helium economy they are using more pgms and in glass work they are using more PGMs. so there's all kinds of industrial applications and then i'm sure there's people going around trying to persuade would-be brides to buy a platinum ring rather than a gold ring so there could be jewelry reasons mm. But I mean, uh, very difficult to know what the drivers will be in the future. We can Mm. see in the rearview mirror that catalytic converters has been important and rhodium is a very small input into some of the glass industry, apparently, has been a big driver. But um, that's the thing about commodities, very difficult to try and forecast demand and supply dynamics going forward, especially if the actual use of the metal can change over time, which it does.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, Well, uh, one of the questions that this viewer uh, also put through um, is on AI. Chris, we were just talking about NVIDIA right now. Um, And it says, AI, although artificial intelligence has some potential to me, it is overhyped and is in bubble territory. I shall, I shall stay very uh, well clear of it for the time being. Uh, Chris, I know obviously we were talking about, um, you know, the, the optimism, the boom, but also the kind of uncertainty if Nvidia uh, can keep these, uh, the, this kind of earnings momentum going. Do you think that it is in bubble territory at the moment, uh, and maybe the, the it's, it's, it's a fair point to kind of stay clear of it right now or not?
2: Look, I think I think the viewer makes a good point in terms of the um uh, comparison to like previous bubbles that we've had if you look at ai i mean it's mainly been driven by this magnificent seven shares out of the u.s so which of which uh, nvidia is one of them uh, microsoft is in there as well um we our, our view is that the valuations are quite stretched at these levels but it's always difficult to call the top in a bubble because i mean what we've seen in the u.s is that the market is still quite flush with liquidity. And so you, as long as you continue to get this buying from whether it's the retail investors, uh, or even institutional investors is because they're comparing it to other investment opportunities globally. It can maintain these rich levels for quite a while until you get an earnings disappointment. Mm. So that is always the thing to, to watch in the bubble. I mean, people, people were calling the bubble in the, in, in the subprime or even the, in the tech industry for quite a while in like 2001. And that ran for quite a while until we had the, the, until until the party stopped yeah so it's always difficult trying to call the top in these type of uh, environments
0: yeah um, and the party does have to stop at some point at some uh, point. Yeah. Th- the lights have to be switched on in the club uh, at 5 a.m. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a long question again JV but this one not specifically for you but uh, yeah I think you're getting all the all the all the, all the hard questions today <laughs> um this one is on China uh, two things that are continually mentioned ad nauseum in the media are China and artificial intelligence. Well, of course, we have uh, uh, you know touched on artificial intelligence, but uh, this one is specifically on China. I see that the China bashing continues. Uh, commentators really have anything good to say about China, and are always criticizing China. I would regard it as a form of bullying. Commentators do not present a balanced view on China. It is laughable when people state that China might only grow by 4 or 5 percent. This is way better than South Africa and even the USA. When the herd are against China, I take the contrarian view and will be on the opposite side of the trade. When most of the market is positioned one way, don't be surprised if the outcome goes in the opposite direction. There are many positives in China that are rarely ever mentioned. A more balanced view would be appreciated. Stimulus measures, for example, uh, is a positive. Equities are surely far more attractively valued than in just about any other market. Surely the bad news has been more than factored into valuations as the market trades on an 11 PE. So is there an unfair bashing of China? And uh, (laughs) yeah, JV.
1: So for the record, I have not bashed China. (laughs) I'm optimistic about China. Uh, if you think about the best performing share on the JSE over the past 20, 25 years, it's because of China. It's NASBASH because of its investment in Tencent. So we as South Africans can be very grateful to how China has grown, how much wealth China has created. The, the bashing might come from the fact that China's got a different political system to what the Western world is used to. Hmm. It's not a liberal democracy. It is different. Different is not necessarily wrong, but <laughs> needs to realize that if you come from a context of thinking about markets as operating in a liberal, democratic type of capitalist environment, you might not be able to bring that thinking to bear when you buy Chinese stocks because it's a different system. Mm. And if the Communist Party decides to do something, like for instance, to ban for-profit education, your companies, your investments will go down to almost zero, as happened roughly two years ago. Yeah. On the other hand, if they decide to stimulate the second which you have shares, you can do really, really well. So it's just different. And I do believe that one shouldn't bash something just because it's different. You should try to understand, you should respect differences. And for Western commentators, they should be particularly careful to respect a very rich history of, of China um, even though it makes a lot of us uncomfortable that they are not democratic, which is what a lot of people in the West give yeah. a, a high regard to in terms of our political system.
0: Yeah. Um, Chris, how do you approach China? Do you approach it with caution or with an opportunity mindset?
2: Look, I think just going back to the viewers' comments, when uh, I mean, it's quite clear that there is value in Chinese, if you look at, say, China tech versus US tech, China tech significantly underperformed US, the US tech uh, shares year to date. And you can argue that they've got similar type of AI drivers, even into a larger population base. I think what has been potentially disappointing to investors has been the lack of aggressive stimulus from the government. So I think everybody got excited in the last quarter of last year when the COVID restrictions were lifted, but they expected a lot more stimulus to come through, like what we saw in the US with regards to lower uh lower rates uh and other checks to actually go to the consumer but what we've seen on on the contrary is that the consumer Chinese consumer has been quite focused on savings opposed to spending and it hasn't been like infrastructure infrastructure red which we know the Chinese government has said that they want to tilt away from infrastructure and be be more a consumer-led economy so that uptick unfortunately, it hasn't come through in China. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's no doubt that there is value in 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 the in, in the markets, as JP said, as well, you've obviously got to take into account some of the political risks, I mean, the potential relationship that China's got with Russia. And then there's always this pending or overhang of a potential issue with regards to Taiwan, if you're gonna put it that way. So that is the the, the, the risk uh, on from a, from a tail risk point of view. But there is, there, I mean, there is value there relative to other markets.
0: Yeah, all right. Um, so uh, let's go to uh, U.S. and dollars. I still have some dollars available in my U.S. portfolio for a long-term investment. So any suggestions whether my choice should be growth or value equity? And as such, which equity would uh, now be an opportune buy? JP.
1: Hmm. I would go for growth at a reasonable price. Gov. So not just growth where you overpay for growth like potentially Nvidia, (laughs) not just value where maybe it's a value trap and you don't see growth in earnings. And in terms of some uh, um, growth shares that are reasonably priced, I would say you can Google previous stock picks. (laughs) (laughs) People on this show have picked US stocks. Quite often those are those are GARP names. Yeah. Um, the, the interesting thing about the US is quite often the largest shares in the US indices are these high growth companies quite often at a reasonable price. So if I just stick to them, I think Nvidia is too expensive, I think Tesla is too expensive. Mm. But the others, Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, um, Eli Lilly, um, yeah. they to me look more reasonable. So you could stick to those if you want.
0: Ah. Uh, Chris, growth or value?
1: I think I'm going to
2: choose Jake's answer. Because the (laughs) thing is, you can choose growth. You can choose growth as long as there's growth into into the foreseeable future that justifies that 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 multiple. It's the same argument that many people had with regards to Nasbas. I mean, you can look at a short-term high PE, but as if if the company can continue to grow aggressively in the near term, it'll basically grow into that multiple, if you want to say that. Hmm. And um, unfortunately, the, the issue with value is that you just must, mustn't be caught with a value trap that just basically stays cheap for yeah. long term without any type of catalyst to unlock the value.
0: Ah, All right. Well, gents, uh, let's get to your stock picks for today. JP, what will it be?
1: I'll pick a local share, Motus. Uh, they have a June year end, so their full year results are imminent. a very good half year they grew their earnings by 17 percent to the half year so my expectation is they could show um maybe similar growth for the full year there's been no trading statements so it won't be growth of more than 20 percent they had some issues on the board that a number of non-executive directors resigning in june uh, which was quite disappointing and alarming i would say but more recently they've reappointed new non-executive directors uh, which seem to be very good appointments, and the company also had an investor day in June, just before the year end, which is quite positive. Plus, we saw today in the supergroup results that the motor vehicle dealership business did quite well. Um, so all of this, I think, bodes well for Motors when they report very soon, and I think the share price is very cheap, so it could be. A garb share, that they can grow their earnings at a at a reasonable rate, but it's trading at a very reasonable price. So, Motus is my stock pick
0: tonight. Ah, uh, all right. Uh, Chris, what are you hanging your hat on today?
2: My stock pick is similar focus to the retail segment. I'm choosing Mr. Price. So, as we were discussing earlier, uh, earlier, earlier on, so there is an MSCI rebalance that's expected to happen at the end of this month, so on Thursday, where they will be selling by passive investors into Mr. Price. Multi-Choice and uh, TFG, Fushini Group. Um, We think that Mr. Price's underperformance relative to their peers this month has been mainly due to this forced selling or this expected forced selling to come on board. Mr. Price is a high quality company. They've always had very strong returns. But I mean, obviously, people are concerned about the outlook for the consumer, uh, increased competition from Shein and other online players. But we think that given the recent acquisitions of Studio 88 and what they've done with with Yuppie Shep as well, with the strong balance sheet we think that mr price will be able to come through the impacts of load shedding uh, and what we've seen with the higher rates as well over this period so once we get into next year's numbers looking past the load shedding in the in the base as well as some potential rate cuts going into q2 of 2024 we think that mr price offers you a lot of value at the current share price
0: all right. Well, thank you so much for your time and your insights today, gentlemen. Really appreciate it. That's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guest Jean-Pierre Ferster from Protea Capital Management and Chris Reddy from All Weather Capital. Coming up, the close. Stay watching. <laughs>